Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got a cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 60. Welcome. Welcome, friends. So good to be back. It is mid-November 2020. And we have got the holidays barreling down on us, don't we? Is that what it feels like to you? It kind of does to me. Um, It's going to be probably a little bit, well, I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit of a different Thanksgiving, but we often spend Thanksgiving just our family. Um, It are good years when we travel or family travels to us for for big family Thanksgivings, which is what I love, but um, we don't have a lot of family where we live. Not that I've gone anywhere. They've left. (laughs) But um, yeah, so it'll just be a Thanksgiving with just our family. But it's giving us the opportunity to do a few things a little bit differently. Um, I've talked about before, I keep a a holiday journal or a holiday, it's not really a journal, holiday binder. And I have tracked our Thanksgiving menus back, I think I started in 2008 or 9. So over 10 years. And it was really those years where I was trying to find the right recipe. So I'd try something one year and I'd make notes about, uh, don't, don't use the Trader Joe's stuffing. <laughs> I love Trader Joe's, but there's a few things I don't like. And one year I tried the Trader Joe's stuffing, did not like it. I'm just, I probably should make it from scratch, but I'm a Mrs. Cuppinson's gal. Anyways, um, so I just, you know, I tried different recipes. And the note that I left myself last year even though we've been cooking the same, you know, uh, group repertoire of um, dishes for many years now, I made a note that everything is heavy and everything takes a lot of work. And, you know, it's often it's just us. It's like me and my husband is very helpful, very good in the kitchen. He's a better cook than I am, truth be told. And so, you know, but it's still all day in the kitchen for a meal that, number one, is not my favorite meal of the year. I do not love Thanksgiving dinner. I like what we do for Christmas dinner, um, but just Thanksgiving dinner is not my thing. It takes all day to cook. It's over in 20 minutes, (laughs) and I'm just, you know, there's all the dishes. Um, So I made a note, like, how can we lighten this up next year? And I think I've come up with a couple of ways. It's actually on my list of things to do to pull out that holiday binder, look at the 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 menu see if there's anything we can just kind of cut out and things we can lighten up and the two things that I'm thinking of um, number one green bean casserole which I do from a Trader Joe's recipe not surprisingly and funny I've already bought I saw the the french fried onions which frankly are my favorite part of that and um, from Trader Joe's and I bought them years ago they had a recipe on the label I don't think it's on there anymore but um It's a great green bean casserole that uses, you know, I use fresh green beans and basically we make our own cream of mushroom soup, so to speak, you know, a roux with mushrooms in it. So it's all, it's not like, you know, no shame, but it's, you know, it's not frozen green beans or canned green beans and cream of mushroom soup. It's kind of that vibe, but made from scratch. So honestly, it's kind of a lot of work and um, I'm not sure anybody really loves it. So I do have another um, recipe or, you know, a thing to make, which is green beans. I want to have green beans, um, that are cooked in a little bit of, um, 
you fry up some bacon, you cook those green beans in a little bit of bacon fat with the chopped up bacon and some slivered almonds. So it's still fancy and it's not light. <laughs> I'm saying that with big quotes, but it's not, um, you know, like it, it's not green beans and gravy, so to speak. So I figured that's one way we can lighten it up. And um, we do, uh, it's called apple salad. Um, it's really just, it's a fruit salad. Um, which is super good and we all love that that's a family favorite but we could use something a little bit more like a, a green salad I've got a couple salads um, festive salads that include a little bit of fruit and um, but I want a new one so just today I was searching for I'm picturing a, a salad that's got you know like greens and maybe pomegranate seeds maybe goat cheese, maybe a pear, you know, something like that, I think would be another way to lighten it up. So I'll probably put this question in the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. I should make a note of that before I forget. Um, but I would just, I'd love to share some, you know, like what are those, a few non-traditional lighter recipes that we could uh, introduce into the repertoire this year? So anyway, so that's what I'm thinking there. Um, starting to do my Christmas planning which I have to start with the high stress things for me, which is getting a Christmas card picture of the kids. Um, and uh, and I do a calendar for my dad with family pictures. And those are those that <laughs> I feel a million times better once those two things are done. And I really like to have them done before Thanksgiving. Probably not going to happen. It rarely happens. Um, so those, I'll feel so much better when that's done. I'm hoping this is going to be a little bit of a an easier year Christmas-wise. I learned last year, from a Christmas decorating standpoint, actually I learned it a few years ago, I probably talked about it last year, that lights and greenery go a long way in Christmas decorating. Um, I've really, I've really pulled back on the the little Christmassy knickknacks that are so cute, but then, you know, that I collected over the years. Um, but if I, you know, and we will probably, after Thanksgiving, we'll put up the Christmas tree, which is fake, pre-strung with lights, I love it, and just leave it with lights for weeks. Um, I'm going to talk about an Advent book um, in the book section here, um, and and her take on that is you put up the tree, and you know if it's like a real tree, then maybe string it with lights a week later, and then slowly decorate it so you don't really have a fully decorated tree until Christmas Eve. And then you're not so sick of it, <laughs> which I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm not, I don't think I'll do exactly that, but I did learn um, that putting up the tree with just the lights, and then we would wait for the college kids to come home to decorate. Not that between you and me, they really care about that, but I did. Um, and I've learned like wrapping the, my, we have stairs that you see when you first walk in the house and wrapping those with greenery and lights and draping garlands on um, a few doorways um, and maybe a few wreaths. These are the things that really make things seem Christmas, you changing out the table linens, stuff like that. And um, so it actually really like to, I'm, this is another thing I made a note about from last year at Christmas, and that is to upgrade the greenery. Since I'm realizing I'm kind of leaning into the greenery, I would like to invest in some um, more realistic, you know, right now I'm frankly just using Target garlands, you know, it's like nothing fancy at all. It just kind of gives you the impression of greenery. They're very easy to use. They're very flexible. But I was like, oh, if this actually looked like it was real greenery, this could be really nice. And I've 
figure it might be a little expensive, um, but it'd be like an investment that we could just use over and over. So anyways, um, if you have any thoughts about that, please reach out to me. I'll, maybe I'll put that in the Facebook group too. Do I have a pencil? I don't have a pencil to write any notes, so oh well. Um, so yeah, so those are, you know, kind of some things we're, we're thinking about. We're finally getting some cool weather here in Southern California, which is so exciting. I came down in the morning recently. Um, my husband was had been up before me, so I could smell the coffee. The heater was on. He had the fire on when I came down. And I was just like, oh man, it feels like Christmas. I love it. And the kids are all making those same things. Ah, oh, feels like Christmas, even though we are a bit away from that. But it's, uh, it's good. The anticipation is great. The other fun thing that we we did, um, I talked about this on, <laughs> I did it in my Instagram stories, but um, CNT sent me a puzzle, a thousand piece puzzle. It's the um, it's a thimble blossoms, you know, Camille Ross Kelly um, puzzle. It's a flat lay of her fabric and thread and notions, charm packs, mini charm packs binding tape measure jelly roll all that kind of stuff really cool picture and at first I thought all in kind of like a white background and I thought oh this will be this won't be that hard because there's so many different patterns um it was hard <laughs> first of all it's a thousand piece puzzle which is big so I set it up one night I, number first of all there's one thing is I don't love puzzles I don't mind them but I thought I would set this up and we could chip away at it over a couple of weeks so one night we all sat down, um, we we're going to watch the Hunger Games as a family. There's a few of people in our family, like me and two of the kids have read it and seen the movies and my husband and one of my, my youngest son had never, like was very uninterested in Hunger Games, but I feel like it's such like a cultural thing. I'm like, we need to watch Hunger Games. So we put that on. I, you know, pulled out the puzzle, started doing the, <laughs> the mindless part of just flipping them over and pulling out the edge pieces and stuff and kind of gave up on it early on it was hard to watch a movie and do the puzzle but the next day which was just now that I think about it a week ago I pulled out the card table from um the garage and I laid it out I've got this really cool and I would link to it if I could find it but it it doesn't exist anymore about 30 years ago I bought this great thing is called a puzzle keeper and it just has these big trays that you can do puzzles on and it has a big tray for the puzzle and some other side trays where you can like work on little bits and then it all fits together with foam pieces on top and closes up with Velcro so you can put it away and then bring it out again so you don't have to leave a puzzle out. But I did get the, um, I got the card table out and over the next day, I did it on Sunday morning and by the, in the afternoon, my husband started working on it and then my son started working on it and they were making, they're so good at puzzles and they were making so much progress. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Like I didn't really feel like working on it. But I was like, you guys are going to finish it, and I'm never going to get to work on this. So I ended up, we spent hours on that puzzle, and, and we finished it that night. We did the whole thing in 24 hours, which is hilarious. Um, and even, you know, like we're doing dishes, and my one son who hadn't done anything just walked over just so he could put in a few pieces to say he had contributed. And um, so it was really fun. So I, uh, I reached out to a, a friend on Instagram, that uh, Sarah Goer. It's from Sarah, what did, what's your thing? Sarah Goer Designs. Um, she's a great quilter. And I know she likes puzzles. So I'm like, e I think you would like this. Do you want this? So we're, she's going to start this thing. I sent it to her. I wrote my name and Instagram handle inside the lid. And she's going to do it. And she's going to pass it on to another quilter who will hopefully pass it on to another quilter. And it'll be like a little chain puzzle, which I think is just super fun. Super fun. 
All right, it is time to talk some quilting. But before we do that, I would like to thank the Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring the podcast. I was on the Fat Quarter Shop website earlier today, and they have so many cute quilt alongs going on. They're featuring so many great fabric lines. If you have not been over to the website for a while, check it out. You are going to find something that you want to do. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. Join Fat Quarter Shop for their 14th annual Designer Mystery Block of the Month Club. This quilt will leave you with a sugar rush with 12 sampler blocks by designers from Moda Fabrics to sweeten the deal. Each quilt block finishes at 12 inches square and features the strawberries and rhubarb fabric collection from Fig Tree Quilts from Moda. This club is perfect for beginners and experienced quilters. It runs from June 2021 to May 2022 and ships around the 10th of every month if you need a little something to look forward to. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's also the 2021 Designer Mystery Finishing and Backing sets available separately. So get all three to make the whole quilt, which finishes at 65 and a half inches by 84 and a half inches. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes. Let's talk quilting. Well, I've had a few exciting things happen. Just yesterday, I got the brush strokes quilt pattern back from Deanna Sanzano, my beautiful long armor, and it looks fabulous. I had, as per usual, quite a crisis trying to figure out what quilting motif I wanted it on it. Can we just talk about that picking quilting motifs is hard? Do you find it hard? I personally find it hard. I find a lot of things hard, like color selection, but also quilting motifs. So this is a very modern quilt. I've already talked about it um, the last, I don't know, three, four episodes. So uh, it's very modern and improv lots of white space. Really, um, it, if you search the, the hashtag, you'll see a lot of people quilted it very simply like straight line quilting. And I was thinking, you know, Kristen, you could probably do this yourself. But I'm just completely giving myself a pass on that because I just do not have the setup in my, my current thing with everyone home. Um, I'm just working at my work desk. There's just not space to quilt a quilt. Um, and I don't really want to, I guess I could go to the kitchen table. I'm just not going to do that. Let's be honest. So um, I wanted something modern. And I don't know if, if you guys think this way, but if I have um, an angular quilt, I often want a curvy quilting motif to kind of contrast that. But with a modern quilt, a lot of the curvy quilting motifs, unless it's like a spiral or real circles, which I did consider, um, they look, they don't seem modern. They seem a little more traditional and they just didn't seem quite right. Um, but I also don't want something that's super, super angular on a more angular quilt. So anyways, you know, there's different ways to go. Sometimes that looks great and sometimes I like the contrast. So, um, the one that she suggested, and then her daughters weighed in and suggested too, um, it worked out really well. It, it kind of is the best of both worlds. I think it was called Bauhaus. I'll take a picture and put it in the show notes. I'm not sure how to describe it. Okay, I'll try though. When I was working on my um, free motion quilting, there was a motif called a square spiral where you would take, uh, do like a square and then you kind of make it smaller and you kind of spiral in in a square shape and then just 
just, you know, uh, quilt a line out and start a new one. You do them different sizes. So it's like that, only they are square, but square or square-ish, rectangular-ish with round corners. So it's not harsh, like it's super square. It's a little bit rounded, just round corners. Um, it certainly looks modern. It reminds me a little, it's a little maybe circuit boardy, something like that. I guess it's Bauhaus, so maybe it's a little, is that sort of a little art deco or something? I'm not sure. Anyways, um, it looks good. It looks it looks right on the quilt. Again, I'll take a picture. Um, so it's great when you can trust your long armor when I said, I don't really know what to do. And I often, I just put those quilts in the mail to her and she always says, do you know what motif you want? When I send it, I'm like, I have no idea, but I have a few days while it gets to you to start thinking about it. And so, I, so I'm happy with that, how that came out. Um, but I had the same issue with the uh, my handpiece quilt along quilt called Book Club. It's a blue and white quilt. I've been hand quilting it, and I um, use the Baptist fan motif. I have a stencil for that, and I did I don't know, not maybe an eighth of it, like one one good corner of it, and I just looked at it, and I mean I had hours into it, and just said, you know what, this is not right. I sent a picture to a few people. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Frances, and she was like, you know what, your instincts are right on this. It's a very pretty motif, and you've done a reasonable job, <laughs> but you know what, it doesn't, it's not serving the quilt. For one thing, it was too dense, and that was one reason. It was taking forever to do, and so I was just like, you know, this is quite an investment of time, and if I'm not loving it, why am I doing this? But I did give it a good, a good amount to, to really see it, so... I tore all of that out, sprayed it down really well with water because I used the the blue uh, water-soluble pen from, you know, you get a Joann's Dritz or whatever. And um, then was like, what am I going to do? So I've been wanting to do like spirals, multiple spirals. Patty machine quilted her version of this quilt, which is larger than mine. She machine quilted one big spiral and I loved it. Um, and I thought about doing, and then Frances did a quilt a couple years ago where she hand quilted multiple spirals. Spirals seem like such a pain to mark. With a with machine quilting, you can just do them the width of your foot as your you know your walking foot, so you don't have to mark once you get going. But with with hand quilting, you kind of need to mark it. Or at least I would, and that seemed unappealing to me. While I was mulling this over. C&T reached out to me and offered a class to me. They have just launched something called Creative Spark Online Learning. It's like a craftsy type thing. And they have some great classes. And they said, pick a class and, you know, uh, tell us what you think. Which I have picked a class. I have not taken the class yet. Um, I What I picked is Artful Improv Permission to Play by Cindy Griselda. But I did watch the intro to the class and behind her, she makes these great improv quilts and behind her was a quilt and she had hand quilted it with concentric circles. Um, now I could be wrong, but how, what I took away from it was like basically three circles, the largest being five or six inches and then a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller. And I thought, oh, that could work. So I made my own templates I went and I used uh, an Aurifil thread spool base, the orange spool, and I just, <laughs> I went to the um, pantry, pulled out a cereal box, pulled out the, the, 
the plastic inner thing, set it in the pantry, and tore apart the cereal box. So circle, uh, trace the circle from the orophil spool, and then start looking around for circles of other sizes. Um, we have one of those plastic cups that your kids would get, like when you would go to Applebee's or Chili's or something, when they're little and order off the kids menu, and they give you a plastic cup. Well, we still have one of those that has a bunch of markers and stuff stuff in the in the cabinet. That seemed about the right size, so I, I traced that one and then found like a, a plastic bowl and circled that. So the, the my widest is five and a half, and the cup was three something, and I think the orophil spool is about an inch and a quarter. So they're not even like perfect um, multiples of each other, but they look good enough. So I cut those out and then um, traced just one set of three on the quilt and quilted it. And yeah, I, I think I really like it. And it's it's looser quilting, um, which I like. It's going to go faster. Um, the the smaller diameter circles are just a little tricky. You know, you just need to uh, to have your stitches small to make those curves. I generally hand quilt without a hoop, and I was having a little bit of trouble because you, uh, I usually hand quilt smaller things, so I can kind of bunch the quilt up in my hand when I do it, but I just find it easier to really get that um, needle to go straight down and come straight back up when it's not in a hoop. But this is a little bit of a bigger quilt, so I was having trouble scrunching it all up in my non-dominant hand there. And so I, I do have a quilting hoop. It's, I don't know how big it is, maybe 20 plus inches. Um, so I put the quilt in it. I tried this a few months back and, and gave up on it then, but I thought I'd try it again and put it in there pretty loosely um, and tried, and I, I tried another set of circles. I thought I'm going to give it this whole set of circles to see if I can um, really like get the hang of this. And I decided I can't. <laughs> I wish I could use the hoop because there are some really good things about it, but I think quilting without a hoop is just the way that I need to do it. So long story long, I found my uh, hand quilting motif and I think I'm really going to like it. So I am working on that and um, yeah, and I'll get back to you on the artful improv class that I'm taking. Let me just run through some of the other classes there. Classes are in the categories of quilting, sewing and embroidery. Um, they've got one by Jennifer Sampau on um, an ombre table runner project. And um, we've got, what else? Some hand quilting basics, Sashiko, needle turn applique, hand embroidery, um, how to make t-shirts, how to use a serger. Alex Anderson has a class on quilting. So tons of really fun classes there. So I'm really excited, even though I know I might've said in the last podcast that I wasn't sure I was really an improv quilter, but I have decided I have not given it enough of a try yet. And so this seemed like a really fun class. So I will keep you posted on that. And I have been working on a lot of handwork things because my sewing machine is in its once a year spa treatment <laughs> at the at the sewing machine store. And uh, it's going to be a while. They said it could be like two to three weeks. There is such a backlog of people getting their sewing machine service these days. It was really fun to talk to the woman there about, she said, you know, business has never been better, that people are buying sewing machines to make masks and hopefully we can turn them into sewists. I think that would be great for us. Um, but I'm working on the next hand-pieced quilt-along quilt. Patty and I are plotting our world domination of hand-piecing. And uh, 
I will tell you that I am working with a semi-solid this time around, which in a color palette that is out of my comfort zone. So I am pushing myself, people. I'm pushing myself in many areas here. But I'm using Thatched by uh, Robin Pickens from Moda. And it's super cool fabric. I love it. I love the way it feels. I love the way it looks. I'm using a, uh, a berry. It's called berry. When I look at it, I want to call it jam. And a mustard. Ooh, mustard and berry. <laughs> sounds like a weird salad um mustard berry and uh, a gray and i think it's gonna be very pretty it is so fun to get back to hand piecing um i spent a lot of yesterday cutting i got my whole first block all cut it's a big block i'm gonna i, I got that all cut out and i just was sitting in my chair with my glass of wine last night and thinking why do you not do more hand piecing it is it's so so perfect such a perfect way to slow down right now and um, it's quiet and it's cozy by the fire so pick up some handwork people i think that uh, it, it's the perfect way to slow down right now so you would think that between hand quilting hand piecing and now with um, this quilt back from the long armor hand binding that i would have enough hand projects going but no i have another one i may enlist the help of my daughter on this one though I have a cross stitch project. I may have cross stitched in my 20s. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure I did a couple small projects. Do you remember it used to be called counted cross stitch? <laughs> now they just call it cross stitch. But I bought a pattern from Kid Giddy. I will put a link in the show notes because it's super cute. It's an ugly sweater Christmas pattern. Now she has um, a two kinds of quilt block ugly Christmas sweater patterns. Like one is paper pieced and one is patchwork. And then she made them also as tiny little cross stitch patterns, like really low commitment. I think the finished the finish size, they're just like a couple inches. They're kind of made to put into a small hoop to be a Christmas ornament. And that's my plan is um, my youngest son is now 18. I think this is going to be the last year that I do a Christmas ornament for him. And that seemed like this would be kind of fun. I've been curious about experimenting with cross stitch. Um, I just kind of have other, a lot of other things going on. But my daughter who crochets, she's kind of between projects right now. I'm like, I have an idea. So I bought the, the pattern. It's very inexpensive on the Kid Giddy um, uh, Etsy site. It's like $4. And you get four designs and I bought the Ada cloth off of Amazon and I have enough Aura floss and DMC um, embroidery floss that I am sure that we can put together something here, some color combination for this sweater. One of them has like a, um, a stocking, one has a reindeer, one has a snowman, and one has a gingerbread house, if I remember correctly. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on that, but I think that'll be pretty fun. Let's move on to books and, and what I'm reading here. This podcast is already getting long. I can really talk and talk and talk about not much. <laughs> so I do have a few books I want to talk about. Um, lately, I've been starting with talking about some quilting books, and I'm going to reach over here and grab um, the Moda. It's actually called The Best of Moda Bake Shop, a sweet batch of quilts perfect for pre-cuts so i have i am a moda bake shop chef in honor that i take very seriously which all that means is i've had a couple patterns on the moda bake shop um 
but the women who are the regular contributors over there, they are amazing quilters. And um, one of them is my friend, Susan Vaughn of The Felted Pear. And in, in the last few weeks, um, I reached out to her. I was kind of getting rid of some quilting books and said, hey, I happen to be coming to your town. She's local to me. I had to go buy a dog crate <laughs> off, of, off of like Facebook Marketplace over there. I'm like, I'm coming to your town. Do you want any of these books? And she said, oh, sure, I would like some of those. And she gave me um, the best of the Moda Bake Shop. And then she gave me an extra one to do a giveaway. So I'm going to talk about this. And then I'm going to do a giveaway on Instagram, I think is where I'm going to do it. So um, you'll see a post for it. It's, it you know, I'll put a link in the show notes and um, you can just check over on my uh, Instagram page. But this is a super, super cute book. So it's um, different projects that the very talented Moda Bake Shop chefs have put together that use pre-cuts, which, you know, have we talked about this? How tempting pre-cuts are to buy? And then, you know, people don't even sometimes know what to do with them. Oh, speaking of pre-cuts, when I was talking about the quilt, I just have to tell you how I was totally flexing my knowledge of Bonnie and Camille fabrics. <laughs> as like somebody would hold up a piece of I'm like oh that's marmalade that's gonna go over here oh that's the that's the mini charm over there for the good life that's uh they were just like okay okay you know the fabric fine <laughs> it was but it was pretty funny but now my family even knows the difference between a charm pack a mini charm pack and a jelly roll so anyways so um if you have pre-cuts because you could not let a fabric line, you know, be released without buying some piece of it, check out the Moda Bake Shop because um, you can enter the, the, the pre-cut that you have. You can check, check that box and find a bunch of patterns for them, even like mini charms. I once did a, a, a pattern for a tea cozy that uses the mini charms, which are I, those things. They're like, they're like candy. They're by the, the register at a quilt shop and I cannot help but pick them up, but they just kind of can pile up because what do you do with those tiny things? Well, here's some recipes for you. Recipes slash patterns. So anyways, um, there is a ton of really cute, um, patterns in here several really cute ones that you could use for Christmas the one on the cover is a house's quilt which would be very cute um, as a as a Christmas houses kind of thing and then my friend Sharla she has this pattern in here that um, they're Christmas lights like the old-fashioned I think they're called c9s that's the kind we have on our house like the super like 1970s Christmas lights she's got a pattern in here that is super cute that's like really big oversized lights like that and um, here is one that is called Dresden butterflies so they're two quarter Dresdens um, that butt up against each other diagonally that look like a, a butterfly so if you ever wanted to try a Dresden but you want something a little less um, full of commitment there you go there's ones with hearts that would be great if you wanted to make a Valentine's quilt um, here's a cute checkerboard one. Oh, this is one of my favorites from my fa my friend Lisa Joe. It's called Washi Tape Stars. So it's got Ohio stars in it. Very, you know, very traditional um, quilt block. But then it looks like it is taped to the quilt with pieces of washi tape. She's done this extra piecing. And it is just, it is so clever and so cute. 
and my friend Susan's quilt is called X's and O's, which is absolutely adorable and uses charm packs. Charm packs is the one thing that I really, charm packs and mini charm packs are the real tempting pre-cuts for me to buy personally. So anyways, an absolutely adorable book and I um, will definitely do a giveaway for this and you're gonna want to be made a little treat yourself as a little pre-Christmas treat. So thank you to Susan, the felted pear, for uh, providing that book as a giveaway for you guys. The other book that I wanted to talk about is actually a book about Advent. It's called Shadow and Light by Tish Oxenreiter, A Journey into Advent. So um, for those of you that observe, um, this is a book that I was really looking forward to. And you know, I do not buy physical books very often anymore, um, just from a frankly, a clutter standpoint, but this is such a beautiful hardback book, um, although it's smaller than I expected, um, it, that I had to have it to, to actually hold in my hands. It's, you think as a quilter, I would have measurements down maybe 10 inches by eight inches, something like that. Um, the picture somehow made it look bigger. So um, this has been getting a lot of uh, press lately. And um, if you see if you might know Tish Oxenreiter if you ever followed Simple Mom or The Art of Simple she has written um, many great books the first one was called Organized Simplicity and um, so she's just all you get the same kind of you know vibe as me <laughs> in terms of kind of leading a simple organized life um, but she's also written some Christian books so the idea for this Advent book was to make Advent, which is a preparation for Christmas, a little bit more accessible um, to the everyday person or to someone who didn't grow up in like a liturgical type church. And so I haven't really, I haven't started it yet because Advent hasn't started yet, but each day has basically a reading and um, just some suggestions. It's like nothing crafty. Like I think maybe the only you know, semi-crafty thing you, you might have in here is um, the lighting of Advent candles. And I've done that in the past, created a little Advent wreath where we just light a candle at dinner every night, which is, you know, just one of those fun anticipatory things. Um, there's four candles and, you know, you just light one for the first week and then the second week you light the second one, that kind of a thing. So if you were looking for a way to kind of slow down, appreciate the buildup to Christmas instead of the just Christmas day um, kind of celebration, you might want to check this out. The Lazy Genius um, that I've talked about before, she did a podcast with her, with Tish last week. And um, it was very interesting. And one thing that for, for people who truly observe Advent is that they, you're really delaying the celebration of Christmas until Christmas and then the 12 days after Christmas. So the 12 days of Christmas is really from Christmas to whatever, January 6th or something like that. Um, I'm not really going to do that, but I do like the, um, you know, trying to slow down and appreciate the season a little bit more. So um, that is Shadow and Light from Tish Oxenreiter. As usual, I will put a link in the show notes. Last podcast, I talked about Oh, what's it called? Uh, My Journey with Harriet or Harriet's Journey. Um, that I'm really looking forward to that book. I haven't gotten my hands yet, but I'm looking forward to that. But it made me go back and read The Circle of Quilters from Jennifer Cheverini, which is where that um, the idea for that pattern came from. So I finished that. And when, while I was reading it, um, I realized that there was a character. Well, in that book, um, they are interviewing several people to fill some spots at the Elm Creek 
um, quilters, you know, retreat center or whatever. And there's one person that doesn't get the job, but I remember that she appeared in a later book um, because that sort of comes up that she had interviewed and, and what happened to her afterwards. And so I was thinking, I think I read that book last year and I found it on my Kindle and it's called The Giving Quilt, obviously by Jennifer Cheverini. And it's kind of a fun one to read right now because it is uh, about a free camp that they do at uh, the Elm Creek Manor the week after Thanksgiving where they let people come for a free week of quilt camp to make quilts for Project Linus and like how what a dream that would be right I Elm Creek Manor to me what I'm now thinking of is the Bonnie um, Hunter Quiltville Inn (laughs) like that is our own Elm Creek Manor and someday I will get to go there but um, so it's been a a fun book to to read I I read it last year so I kind of remember so I'm actually skipping a lot of the backstory of the characters Um, but that's been that's been really fun I went and looked at where it fell in the series and it really does it's about six years after Circle of Quilters that she circles back um, and brings back some of those characters. So it was just fun to see what has happened to those people. The other thing that's fun about it is, I think I've mentioned this before, but Jennifer Cheverini lived near me um, at some point in her life. Like I didn't know her or anything like that, but I know she was a library at the Thousand Oaks Library, which is one town over from me. And things, it comes up in her books. She sets them in this area a lot of her historical ones um the ones that involve this place called the stagecoach inn or sonoma rose where there's um these you know like uh, apricot farmers things like that those historical ones they all take place um like right where i live so that's always really fun because she throws in even though she changes names she throws in these little landmarks that you know exist and in this book um the giving quilt there is a library who works um at the, like they call it the Conejo Hills Library or something like that. And this area here is called the Conejo Valley. And so instead of calling it Thousand Oaks, you know, I think she pretty much set it at the library she worked at, which is a beautiful library. And so I always just get um, a bit of a, a, a kick out of that. The other thing that reading Circle of Quilters that I got as a paper book from the library showed me is that reading a paper book before bed helps me sleep better than reading an ebook. And I didn't want to believe this was true. And if you are like me, a person who, um, I never used to have trouble sleeping, but now as I get older, um, I have sometimes, I feel tired, but I get, once I try to fall asleep, can't, or wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep. Um, you know, I've always read before, um, before bed, but I've switched pretty much to a Kindle because it's got backlighting and the light doesn't bother my husband, all those kinds of things. But I really wanted to read this book. And the only time I really read now a fiction book is before bed. So I pulled up my book light and started reading a paper book before bed. And you know what? There is something to it. I fall asleep easier. I stay asleep. So I just wanted to kind of pass that on that there probably is something about the whole blue light that they keep telling us that I didn't want to believe. Um, But that has really helped. So just for what it's worth. Let's move on to movies and TVs and and what we're watching. So I mentioned we watched The Hunger Games, and I started a new series that someone, a listener here, 
recommended, and I'm so sorry that I cannot find your name. I searched and searched this morning trying to find out who it was, but someone recommended a, a show called The Indian Doctor. It's on Acorn. I'm sorry, I'm always recommending shows that are on Acorn. Trust me, I do not get a cut of of acorn when you subscribe but they i mean they will have my money forever there there are so many great shows there so this is called the indian doctor and i was thinking to myself that in a way it's a little bit like doc martin if you like that show here's the things that i will compare and contrast it is about a doctor that comes to a small village this doctor comes from India. The idea here is that the uh, the National Health Service, the NHS, is new, and they are bringing doctors in, um, you know, to make sure that everyone is cared for. How wonderful is that? And so there's just great opportunity. So he and his wife come to um, the UK, and she thinks they're going to go to London, and they're going to have he's going to have a practice on Harley Street or something like really prestigious in a you know a really nice big city. But for some reason, he gets assigned to this little tiny village in Wales, and she is not happy. So here's how it's different from Doc Martin: is Doc Martin is a really cranky, cantankerous doctor in a quirky village. This guy, Dr. Sharma, is a super nice, wonderful doctor in a quirky village. His wife, however, she's the cranky one <laughs> because she's not happy. She, they come from like sort of royalty or whatever, and they're aristocrats in India. And so um, coming to this little backwater mining village in Wales is not at all what she had in mind. But he, the doctor, is absolutely wonderful. So that has been really fun, which is exactly what I needed. So I just have to give you this update. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know I became obsessed with this show called McLeod's Daughters. And I think last episode I said, okay, it's... I've got half a season left of season seven. It has jumped the shark, but I'm going to finish it out. And for those of you who don't know that expression, it occurred to me, jump the shark. Let me give you a little history on that silly expression. The show Happy Days with Fonzie. If you remember that show from the 70s, it went on so long that eventually they had an episode where Fonzie, water skiing, goes off a jump and literally jumps over a shark. So the, that is now sort of a uh, way to say that a show is way past. It's, it should be off. It's, it's, the show is over. The show is over when Fonzie jumps over a shark. Um, so yeah, this show has jumped the shark. But um, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to finish it. So I get to the end of season seven. And you know what happens? There's a season eight. <laughs> I was like, I literally went, I was sitting outside with my daughter doing her own things. And I went, no. (laughs) So of course I started it, but you know what? It's now jumped over several sharks. It's jumped over a, what's a group of sharks called? (laughs) A swarm of sharks. I don't know. So anyways, I've moved on. I've moved on with my life. Um, The other thing that I have not watched, but I am super excited about is the crown the next season of the crown has just dropped and we are getting into the princess diana years and i could not be more excited so i haven't watched any of that but i did double check it is out so super super fun all right so let's wrap this up with the homemaking segment 
And what I want to talk about here is taking it easy. All right. We are coming into the holiday season, which is already hard during a pandemic, which has been awful coming off a brutal election season. So let's go easy on ourselves here. I want to say to you, keep the holiday simple. I mean, do the parts that bring you joy and leave the rest behind. It's funny because I was thinking about saying, don't take on any extra projects right now. Just like, just, you know what I mean? Just enjoy. Meanwhile, I have recently, we are like replacing our patio cover. We are looking into getting solar. We are doing a bunch of financial stuff that's long overdue. So like I'm realizing I just took on, as I was going through my Sunday basket and making new little um, slash pockets for, oh, here's for the solar project. Here's for the patio cover project. Here's for all this financial stuff project. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this this time of year? It's just kind of the way it fell. So don't be like me. Do what I say, not what I do. Be kind to yourself. Um, but one thing that I do want to do, years ago, back when blog reading was a, a, a thing, you know, like, oh man, how I loved it. I'd get up in the morning and instead of reading the news like I do now, I would read blogs. I would read about these women who were taking beautiful photographs of, of their day and how they're pausing, you know, with their cup of tea and their little thoughtful suite and their little beautiful vignette in the window and in the, their gardens, things like that, and just talking about their days. It was such an uplifting time. I, I've thought about going back and blogging like that, but I, I do kind of feel like perhaps that is over. Um, but anyways, I used to read this blog that I absolutely loved called Pleasant View Schoolhouse. I don't even know if it's still up. If it is, I will put a link in the show notes. But if you go back, it's one of those ones that I found and then I went back to the beginning and I just read through it from the beginning. I did that with Soul Mama once also. But this woman... She just has a beautiful aesthetic. She, her son was a photographer and he took a lot of the photos, which were really nice. Um, but she had like five kids. She homeschooled. It's kind of that kind of vibe. Um, but, th- but there are a few things that stuck with me. One is that, you know, because everyone was homeschooled and home, they would uh, do the cleaning together. And I remember there would be like five of them that they could do the like the weekly deep cleaning of the kitchen in like 15 minutes because you know everybody's got a job and then it's done and like done really well and that that always seemed like that would be like such a great way to get through like okay everybody do this thing but one advent she did this thing where she would get up early like before anyone else can get up which would be really hard for me because my husband gets up very early but she would get up really early like at say 5 a.m and she would go fill up a bucket with soapy water and she would deep clean one room a morning um, as in this build up to Advent to like to go into it really everything's just really clean and simple before you start adding on all the excesses of the holiday season and I thought you know I should do that I should get up one morning the, the area is just like basically downstairs um, the the living room, the family room, the kitchen. It would take me a week just to do, just to really do a really good deep clean in the kitchen. And I know the fly lady method is that we should be on top of this all the time at 15 minutes a day and all that, right? And yes, that does work, but there's a time where, I don't know, if if you've gotten a little behind on it, sometimes the idea of just knocking it out in one big 
thing early in the morning. You could have some good music on, you know, some some soft lighting or whatever, and just feel like by the time everybody is up and at them at 7.30, you have really like done something big that's going to bless your family. So I'm thinking about doing that. Um, I'll let you know if I actually do it. Sometimes I talk big <laughs> and never really do it. So anyways, let me know what you think about that. All right, there are no new reviews. So if you think of it, I would appreciate it if you would head over to um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen, and um, leave a review. I love to read them. It's like my little way to connect with you guys, and it's so fun to hear what you guys think of the podcast, and I cherish every single one of them. I'm so thankful for you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining the the Facebook group and interacting and sharing your projects and and all that. So um, that's about it for this time and I will see you in a couple weeks. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, where I do extensive show notes for every episode on Instagram at Kristen Esser. And please consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going. There's a link in the show notes. 